Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. This week, we are really excited to be joined by Randy Roberts. Randy's time is spent helping people love their work as they achieve their career goals. She is the founder of the Fulfilling Career Happy Life Community and has a bunch of fancy initials behind her name, but would consider herself more of a hippie with an Ivy League education. Randy, welcome. We are really excited to have you here. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad to be here with you. You got it. And I'll start there. Do you consider yourself more of a hippie or an Ivy League educated professional? <laughs> um, wow. I, no one's ever asked me that question. I really actually like the combination of things. And I think I always find that interesting in people, that sort of dichotomy or that we're all many things. And so, yeah, I'm proud of my Ivy League education. I worked really hard for that Wharton MBA and I use that thinking every day and I'm close to those people, but um, I'm anything but buttoned up. I can button up when I need to be, but I'm all about um, helping people enjoy their work because it's so much a part of their lives. And so I just really like that integration. So maybe I'm failing, Mike. I'm I'm refusing to answer question number one. I wouldn't say failing. I I think you fielded it perfectly uh, because it's a it's a good clarification that they both kind of help each other out. It's not one nor the other, and that to paint one it would be inaccurate. So I, I love it, and I think it's it's a good answer. Uh, but you hit on helping people love their careers. Why don't more people like what they do? Well, I mean, there's so many reasons, but I think the common theme for the folks that I'm lucky enough to work with my clients is around something that doesn't fit anymore. Something that maybe they set a goal, you know, I, I mean, our careers are 30 years, could be even longer. And sometimes we set a goal fairly early on and then a lot of things change. We change, the world changes, the market changes your company, whatever it is. And sometimes we just don't take that pause to adjust who are we at this point in our lives? What's important to us? What are we willing to give up? What are we not willing to give up? And taking a look at what, if what we're doing still fits that um, and then make the adjustment. So. And that's a good, that's a good, that's a very good answer. So do you find that a lot of your clients are um, either looking to make a change because of changes in any of those landscapes that you mentioned, or was it just never a good fit? Or, or I guess we'll take a step back. Who do you work with in general? Who, who's a good client for you? Yeah, the people that I worked with are pretty accomplished. Most of them are in corporate settings because my own background is in corporations. So I know how that big machine works. Uh, but I do have um, clients that are entrepreneurs running their own business and things like that too. So these are folks that are accomplished. They've they've hit a lot of their goals. They're doing great things. They're making a difference for people, but something's missing for them. They know they're not done. And sometimes either there's something in their way and they're not getting to what it is they want, or they're just not sure if it's the right thing anymore. And a lot of times it's almost this, the way I describe it is like your career has started to itch, but you may not know exactly what the issue is. And so sometimes I do work with folks to figure out what that issue is, whether it's even giving themselves permission to acknowledge that they deserve to love what they're doing. Like, let's put yourself on the list, or it could be figuring out if 
Is it the leadership of your company? Is it that you don't have enough balance? There's, I actually have developed a career satisfaction assessment, which is a great place to start. And, and that's based on eight pillars of themes that I've seen with my clients. So it's about getting to the bottom of what is it for you, because there's no one answer that's right for everybody. That's what's cool about what I do. It's almost like detective work. Everyone's different. Uh, I'd love that you call it detective work. And I, I wrote down so many things you said there because I want to follow up on, on so many of those good things. First and foremost, to deserve to love what we do. I think that's really important. I'm sure that's front and center with all of your engagements. Um, the assessment piece, that's probably the starting point. But I guess when you're helping people figure out what they what they should ultimately be doing or what they what they would love to do, there's the assessment. And then where, where can kind of, People, before they take the assessment or they start working with you, what kind of questions should they be asking themselves or what should they be looking for outside of, of kind of the changing landscape that we've already discussed? Yeah, I think, you know, to a great extent, it's almost about pay attention to yourself because, you know, for for people who do what I do, for coaches, a lot of times we coach what we know. And I had that experience. My first career was as a pharmaceutical executive. I loved it like almost every day for 30 years. And then all of a sudden I found myself, instead of jumping out of bed, I was like hitting the snooze button and not wanting to go in. Something fundamental had changed and I had to really sort of take a pause and figure out what it is. So it sounds so basic, but I think paying attention to how you feel and paying attention to how you react to things can really tell you a lot if something's not fitting the way it used to. You know, in the corporate world, and I don't know if you have corporate experience, but those of us that have, um, things change that are out of your control. You may be in the same job, but you get a new boss or the company reorganizes or that kind of thing. And so sometimes there can be a big event that causes disruption and causes discomfort. Um, and sometimes it's it's within ourselves. That's a that's, a, that's another solid answer. Thank you, Randy, for walking us through that. You also referenced uh, eight pillars. What can you tell us about those? Well, they're really based on the the themes that I've seen within my clients. That you know, th there are more than eight, but these are the eight most common things that are at the root of that that discomfort, that itchy feeling that I mentioned, where all of a sudden something just isn't right anymore. And there are things like. Um, the leadership of your company. There are things like, are you having any fun? We spend so much time at work. We should be having fun. Now, fun is different for different people. The things that I find fun, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I could go to a hardware store with my husband and he totally geeks out and that ain't fun for me. But, you know, it's different. Whatever it is for you, you got to be having some of that. Balance is important. Growth is really important for a lot of people. And again, each of these looks different, but are you growing within your job? Are you helping your company grow? You know, whatever that means. Those those are some of those eight pillars that I've found, that, the themes that weave through the issues that my clients um, deal with. And I think the important thing about it and why something like this assessment is a good place to start is if you don't if you don't have clarity on what the problem is, you just don't know if you're fixing the right thing. So, so that's why I say it's an important place to start. 
So I, I like the, the clarity of the problem piece, because I think that's really important that a lot of times we can be tricked into fixing a symptom or fixing a related issue and then find not only did I not fix what I was supposed to, I've actually created another problem for myself. I think it's really important to understand that. And I was just wondering, using either uh, your transition from corporate or uh, an anecdote from a client, how are you able to drill down and realize, okay, this is actually the situation that needs to be addressed and here's how we can move it forward positively? That's a great question. And this is where we go back a lot of times to how do you feel and how do you react to things? Because sometimes it's just asking the questions about, uh, you know, going through what are the dynamics that are happening that that aren't lighting you up the way they used to, or what are the things that are exciting that you want to gravitate towards? And so sometimes it's just digging into what are the dynamics that are still fun for you? What are the things that you want to keep doing? What are the things that make you want to scroll your social media instead? That kind of thing. So it's really just tapping into what that is for you. There's no real magic to it, but I think you've, you've hit it on the head, which is if we don't, if we aren't clear on the problem, not only are we not going to solve it, but we might even create another problem for ourselves. And the bottom line is like, you know, a lot of my clients don't necessarily have to change jobs. You can make some changes right where you are within your company or within your own position. Sometimes people do have to change jobs, but knowing what the problem is important because wherever you go, you're going to take yourself and maybe the problem with you. So, you know, whether for some of my clients, the answer is change jobs and we work towards that and I help support them in that process. For a lot of people, it's making changes right where they are, which is great because, you know, I don't want people to hear a message of if you're not happy, you got to, you got to change jobs. That's not always the answer, but understanding what the, what the issue is. And it's amazing once you figure out what the problem is, this, and the solution sometimes feels pretty obvious or sometimes like this is what's what can happen when you talk to someone else. A lot of times we can only see, we only see, you know, one possible solution or one possible path and talking to someone else can bring up such possibilities and things that I, I consider like a blinding glimpse of the obvious which we just couldn't see. So talking to somebody, I have a bias that talking to a coach is a great thing to do, but most of us are fortunate to have mentors or bosses or spouses that are great sounding boards. We often don't have the answer in our own heads. It's really helpful to talk it through. I too have a similar bias of having other eyes is one of the most valuable tools that we can have, because as you mentioned, the solution might seem... I can't even read my handwriting, but fairly obvious. But when we're so into it ourselves, it's we're either blinded or we just accept it that this can't be changed or this is just the way that things are. Uh, so I think that is really important too. Uh, and even as you referenced with your background in in corporate and in pharmaceuticals, that that's what you're familiar with. But that doesn't doesn't mean that looking outside of those areas doesn't work. Because again, the, those fresh eyes can can lead to uh, scenarios or solutions that were not thought of because because you weren't blinded by by the consistency of doing that all the time. So I think that that's a really helpful way to look at it. Uh, this is kind of a, I don't say off topic, but in general, I, I think most people are not jumping out of bed to get to work and they 
justify that as saying that's how most people are. That's how work is supposed to be. Do you find it difficult to, even for high accomplished and high achieving executives to kind of rewire the mind when it's like, well, this is my nine to five. This is where I spend my 40, 60, 80 hours a week. And I'm just resigned to the fact that it's supposed to be miserable and, and not fun. Yeah, hopefully it's not miserable because that, and there are situations at work that become toxic or just really unhealthy for you. And that hopefully we can find some solutions to. But, you know, our lives are about balance. And it's true. They, you know, they they give us money to show up for work for a reason. It's often not the thing you want to be doing at that moment. Like, I feel really fortunate in both of my careers. I was totally lit up by what I was doing for the majority of that time. So I know what that feels like, but I also know what it feels like when that changes and working through this with my clients a lot. Sometimes it's, yeah, I've got, I had a conversation with a client about this very thing late last week. They have, they're the breadwinner for their family. They have responsibilities and they feel good about fulfilling those responsibilities. It provides for their family, school, all of that. Um, but they're not as excited as they want to be taking a look at options. They feel that staying right where they are is the best thing. There's enough good about it, but then they need to complement that in other aspects of their lives. For them, one of the things, the holes they want to fill is some sort of community work or, or nonprofit work to sort of give back in a way that would be more fulfilling for them. So that's just one example, but I think it's important to think about what is the situation, how big is the gap, and can it be filled in ways other than changing? Because, you know, it's reality. Some of us don't have the luxury of making big changes in our work, um, but there might be other changes that we can make that can help the picture. And, that, and that, I'm glad you hit back on that point that it's not always we need to change jobs, we need to get you out of this role, this team, this company, that sometimes it's just improving your current situation or reexamining it. But when there is the opportunity for change, and you mentioned you assist your clients through that process, that can mean a lot of different things. What specifically do you do to help them uh, kind of look for that next role or that next adventure? Yeah, a lot of times where it starts, Mike, is with a lot of inner work. Uh, and maybe where this is where the hippie side of me comes into the uh, MBA side of me, um, taking a look at our values, taking a look at our priorities, like who are we at this point in our lives? A lot of people haven't, may never have done that or haven't done it for a long time. And we do change. So I think doing some of that can really help. And then dig into things like um, what's the what are the things that you like about your work and what are the things you want to be different? Dreaming a little bit about what the ideal scenario is, who the ideal boss is, who you want to be as the ideal leader, whatever that situation is. Most of my clients are leaders and have leaders, even if it's you know board of a company. Um, so there's a lot of different things to to explore. And it's amazing how, when you give yourself permission to do some of that, um, to use your imagination even, and maybe see what you've seen other people enjoying and, and sort of try some of that on, you can find possibilities that you didn't think existed. There, you know, a number of times recently, I've been working with clients about this and, you know, they'll talk about something and we'll explore, well, what about this? And we'll start exploring what that would be like. And they get to a point where, they truly never thought that could be a possibility for them. And if it is great, 
help them move down that path. And if it isn't, sometimes the conversation and the exploration of that can help them build something into where they want to be. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I, I mentioned a lot of my clients are in corporations. You know, one of the things that many, many companies are dealing with now is retaining talent. The job market is good. You know, that pandemic that hopefully it looks like we're, we've come out of has changed people's priorities, has changed working situations and that companies have a vested interest in helping you, uh, helping you be fulfilled and helping you be in a situation that brings out your best. I mean, if you think about it for them, if you are firing on all cylinders, you are delivering your best at work. That's good for the company. And if you're not, helping to create a situation where you can be more fulfilled retains you as a loyal employee. Both of those things are good for companies. So there, you know, sometimes it's a risk to talk to your boss or whoever about the things that you need. I would say it's a risk not to, but many times I find there's much more willingness to explore what can change and what they can do to help and it's not just altruistic. Hopefully they want you to be happy, but it's good for business. Anytime you can tie it into good for business, it makes a pretty easy sell. I, I love that point that it is good for business ultimately, because I'll, I'll get into conversations on, on the show in general, where it's like, well, why do I care if my employees are happy as long as they perform? It's like, ultimately these things matter because it's good for the bottom line as well. So not only it's the right thing to do, or it's the, you know, the, the nice thing, the positive, it, it will help the business in the long run. So I, I love you said that. And, I, and I've been taking so many notes because I could, I am a former corporate uh, employee myself. So I spent plenty of time in corporate. America. I'm glad that I did. Um, and so I could fire questions at you all day on this, but I, I'll keep my, I'll keep them pointed for the, for the show. Um, two that I, I agreed to 12, Mike. Yeah. Yes, you did. That was, <laughs> that was the ground rule. So I, I will keep it there. I promise. Um, but you kind of referenced that the, not only corporate, but business landscape has changed significantly over the last few years. Uh, with that is uh, employees looking to either have a, a side hustle for, you know, for, to use that term or to kind of do something on their own. Um, have you found that that's something that people are looking to explore more of? It's like, yeah, this is my my day job. This is what I do to earn money, but I'm interested in this. How can I make this uh, a way to earn money or perhaps my my livelihood? Yeah, actually, it's it's interesting. I have had that conversation with folks recently, especially, um, you know, sometimes it's tough because sometimes if you're in a corporation, you have an agreement that prevents you from doing any revenue generating activity, that kind of thing. So you got to check what you're allowed to do. But for folks that have some sort of creative outlet, um, you know, there may be ways to do it. And yeah, you know, it's a sign if you want to be doing something like that, it's a sign that there's something missing, that you want something more. But the thing that I would say is it's absolutely worth exploring how you can build that in. But starting a company or some kind of a side hustle isn't the only answer. Even if you were prevented from doing that by your your company, there are different ways to to find that creative outlet. And again, that's why some of that exploration about what is it that's missing and how can you fill it um, is, you know, is a great opportunity. So it's funny. I, I just today got a package from a, a former client and friend who started a side business in addition to her corporate business. And she's 
she is crafting jewelry and I got, you know, got a little package from her, which was fun. So it's funny that you asked that question today. It's really added to her, um, her sense of creative outlet, which is, was feeling a little bit suppressed in the corporate environment. So that's, yeah. that's a, that's if a good dream, example. you know, dream about it, try and figure it out, play with it, like play with what if, and you never know, you never know what you're going to come up with. The, the other thing that I, th- I thought of as you kind of walked us through and illustrated uh, what your what your engagements look like is the timing piece. Because some really good advice that my dad actually gave me that I did not understand, nor did I ever take, was that the best time to look for your next job is when you have one. And I said, like, well, why do I do that? I have a job. I'm not going to go waste my efforts. But really, there's a much bigger point and not necessarily about jobs. It's like when you ha- when you wait to have to do something or when it becomes a must, you're, you have no leverage. Your opportunities are far more, you know, far limited. And and you look, for lack of a better word, pathetic. It's because, please, you know, I need this more than, hey, I'm acting from a position of strength. So I was wondering when you when you are working with your clients is are they coming to you when they are at their final straw? It's like I've got no other options, or you know I am coming from I've I've got some ability I have some options here. How can I best leverage them? What does that usually look like? It's such an important issue because it you know the direct answer to your question is it's all across the board. Sometimes I have clients who have found themselves suddenly out of a job. There's restructuring their company, sold whatever. Sometimes it's it's a more general or um, a slower transition that they may even have driven. Um, so it's kind of all over the board. But I think what's really important there is there, there, no disrespect to your dad, there is nothing magic about finding a job when you have a job or you don't. What's different is how you show up to the point that you made. And so the work that I will do with clients who are in that moment that may have um, uh, may have been let go in a reorganization or whatever, it's, it's no reflection on them. I mean, most of us have been there. I have. So it's about taking inventory of what are the skills that you um, that you have? What's the experience you have? What do you love to do? What do you want to do? And that's the kind of thing that people may not have done for a really long time, especially if you're with a big company. If that's a company that you want to stay with, your career path may be sort of set within that. And you you don't necessarily take a you know bottoms up inventory of who you are at this point. You've probably changed a lot. You've probably grown a lot. You probably know yourself a lot better. Um, so that's often where that will start. And not only does that provide some good hard information, it gets people into a good mindset to show up the way they want to in an interview, no matter how, uh, no matter if there's an edge of desperation and how they're feeling. Like, you know, if you're the breadwinner for your family and you've got to provide benefits, that's real. You know, it's hard for that not to show up if you want to go in and be authentic, but there are some ways to moderate that by, you know, dialing up what you got and making sure you're showing up at your best. And again, you got to talk to somebody else to make that happen. When we get in our own heads about being stressed or, you know, I need this job or whatever it is in your own head, it's unlikely for good things to happen. That voice amplifies itself. So you've got to talk to somebody else. Um, And, you know, hopefully somebody who just thinks you're amazing and will remind you of that. But talking that through 
preparing what your answers are to those questions, thinking about your talking points. What do you want to communicate in that interview and talking it out? That's really, really important. Uh, That's another fantastic answer. And hopefully you didn't see the fear and panic come across my face because it's not this, this show or this podcast specifically, but I could fill multiple 12 question sessions of horror stories from interviews and, and, and or like uh, communication sessions. One particularly, I, I had a job uh, performance review that I had completely in my mind one way before it even happened. So, I mean, that com- will completely derail it at times. So I, I will spare our listeners those stories, but I'm sure we, no, all have, we all have those. I've had that experience too. I mean, I had one, uh, the most extreme one, and I haven't thought about it in a long time. I mean, I went in there, like I meditated before I went in because I was so convinced it was going to be ugly and it was great. And that caused me to do a lot of soul searching around, wait a minute, what, why was my perception so off? How could I improve communication with my boss? That kind of thing. So had a happy ending, but I totally relate to what you're saying. Well, thank you. Make me feel better on that. Um, I will take this opportunity as somehow we're already nearing time to change gears a moment uh, to go back to, as we started, many people have uh, perceptions of both hippies and Ivy leaguers, but um, you know, they probably are not always accurate. We've talked a lot about what professionally that looks like for you. What are some hobbies or activities that you have that might fit into either of those buckets? Boy, I'm thinking of the Ivy League education hobbies might be kind of boring. Um, In general, I mean, I, I just am a person, I get very inspired by being outside, being like going in national parks is my favorite thing. I've been to like 33 out of the 63 of them. Um, So just being out in nature is what recharges me. I grew up near the ocean in Santa Monica and that like being near water, I don't know what it is, is always grounding for me. So that's kind of what I need no matter, I think maybe that that's both sides of me is just clearing the head, you know, thinking about things bigger and more powerful than myself. Um, I think that does it for me. What does it for you? Well, I will answer your question, but that was my exact thought as you said the state parks, the the nature piece. And I was like, of course, that's both. It's you know, you've got your I'm checking the boxes. There's 63 of these. I want to learn all I can from them, but it's also the hippie piece. It's I want to be outside, I want to be one with the environment. Uh, I love that. What does it for me? Um currently I am the dad of three children under the age of five. So that takes up a lot of my time as far as what I'm doing outside of any kind of professional or personal endeavors, but I love it because they, they teach me a lot. So uh, they keep me on my toes and busy, but it is, it is a good time. And uh, most days it's fun. So that's, that's where I spend most of my extracurricular activity. Uh, Randy, this has been great. Where can our listeners find you, connect with you or learn more about all the things that you're doing? Yeah, I, it has been great. I've really enjoyed it. Um, one of the best ways to find me is on my website, which is Corlin Roberts, C-O-R-L-I-N-R-O-B-E-R-T-S dot net, coaching dot net, uh, Corlin Roberts coaching dot net. And um, I also have a podcast that's available on all the main places and on YouTube. And that is Fulfilling Career Happy Life. Very nice. We'll post uh, to those links in the show notes. Uh, One question I really like to wrap up with, uh, because I feel like it helps me uh, protect myself from myself. What should I have asked you today, Randy, that I didn't? Wow. I wasn't prepared for that. 
Well, I, had, um, I had one left in the 12 and I was like, that's, I'm going to use it. <laughs> I See, I haven't even been counting. Me neither. <laughs> no, I would say uh, maybe the one thing to, to stress is to really encourage people to give themselves permission to, to want to love their job. Like sure. some, some of us really feel like, you, you got, you know, we were talking a little bit about it. You got to put your head down. You got to go to work. You got to collect a paycheck. You got to uh, go up the ladder, whatever that is. It is okay for people to want to love what they're doing and be led up about it. They're, you know, it's possible and it might be easier than you think. So, uh, so that, I think that's what I would close with is, you know, it's okay to do it, go for it. And I mean, that's what I'm about is I, that's what I want for your listeners. That's a that's a wonderful way to end. Um, I'm going to post the links that we discussed because I've enjoyed our conversation very much. I, I think uh, you probably help anybody who has a a job or has something that they're looking to do professionally that either they haven't done yet or do better. So um, please check out Randy. This was this was a ton of fun. Thank you for joining us, and I do look forward to doing it again. Thank you, Mike. You got it.